0: Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. If you were to sum up our New Testament reading today, here are the cliff notes, compliments of Thomas Lee in his commentary on James 4. He writes... People who live without God face five dangers. It stifles the prayer life. It makes them a friend of the world and an enemy of God. They neglect God's will in their lives. It produces insult and slander of fellow believers. It produces people who plan their lives without seeking God. My friends, do you remember from yesterday what James said about where all that comes from? hey hopeful welcome to episode 1954 on our way to 2000 episodes together this journey through the bible and uh, glad you've joined the crew of those being transformed by the reading of every word of the bible and considering our own life and work stories in light of that you might remember from yesterday that one of the things james did is to contrast godly wisdom with worldly wisdom Right? Godly wisdom comes from heaven, is motivated by God-centered humility, and results in peace and righteousness. By contrast, worldly wisdom comes from hell. Oh, that's some pretty harsh words, right? It's motivated by self-centered ambition and results in disorder and evil. And my friends, I think if there was ever an opening line of a chapter, meaning James chapter 4, That kind of just speaks to our world today. Here it is, James chapter 4. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that the scriptures say, the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your your hearts, double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. I'm just going to pause right there. He's not saying be a sourpuss, right? Just as the same, just as a little earlier when he says, you ask, you don't have because you don't ask. Doesn't mean that you get everything you ask for. But the context here, remember this, the context here is being sober about our right standing with God, right? Going out and partying like everything's okay. Uh, When you're not right with God means you're not right with God, right? Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. I think, my friends, that makes every one of us a sinner, including me. Paul said he was chief of sinners. Sometimes I think it's me. <laughs> my friends, as we turn to our Old Testament segment, we're remember yesterday that the chronicler pointed out that that some of what we know about Hezekiah was written by Isaiah? Well, today we turn to isaiah 36 and 37 but let's remember the context if not theologically right the taunts of the royal spokesman of the assyrian army uh, in front of the walls of jerusalem picture satan's assaults on our souls and the battle between god and the king of assyria comes to a head right and god of course wins effortlessly which in a sense symbolizes Christ's defeat of our eternal enemies. And so we should read these Old Testament stories not just as historical accounts but reminders of of the one we can really trust. Isaiah chapter 36 In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, King Sennacherib of Assyria attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. Then the king of Assyria sent his royal spokesman along with the massive army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. The Assyrian stood near the conduit of the upper pool by the road to the launderer's field and Eliakim son of Hilkiah who was in charge of the palace, Shebna the court secretary and Joah son of Asaph the court historian came out to him. And the royal spokesman said to them, you know what? My friends, I'm just going to pause Budinski here for a moment. Don't we sometimes in the world think like, man, it's a crummy time to be a Christian, right? The world is beating us down. The king with all the power is now just mowing people over and doing what he or she pleases because they think they're untouchable. Remember that today as we hear God's message for us. The royal spokesman said to them, Tell Hezekiah, the great king, the king of Assyria says this, What are you relying on? You think mere words are strategy and strength for war? Who are you relying on that you have rebelled against me? Look, you're relying on Egypt, that splintered sp- reed of a staff that will pierce the hand of anyone who grabs it and leans on it this is how pharaoh king of egypt is to all who rely on him and suppose you say to me we rely on the lord our god isn't he the one whose high places and altars hezekiah has removed saying to judah and jerusalem you are to worship at this altar now make a deal with my master the king of assyria i'll give you two thousand horses if you're able to supply riders for them How then can you drive back a single officer among the least of my master's servants? How can you rely on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Have I attacked this land to destroy it without the Lord's approval? The Lord said to me, attack this land and destroy it. All right, I'm going to pause one more time. Here is the, here is the, essentially the voice, the voice of the king of Assyria saying, the Lord told me to do this. I don't know about what country you're listening in, but (laughs) here in the United States, the evil ones actually claim the moral high ground, right? And what's one of the things that this guy said to essentially Hezekiah and everybody in Jerusalem? What are you relying on? Hezekiah has removed all the high places, right? He's removed all the pagan stuff. And don't you hear complaints lobbied against you or lobbied against God saying oh you don't trust science or whatever right and it's it's entirely a false premise designed to destroy and denigrate. All right I'll get off my high horse. Come quickly Lord Jesus (laughs) here we go Then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the royal spokesman, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew within earshot of the people who are on the wall. But the royal spokesman replied, Has my master sent me to speak these words to your master and to you, and not to the men who are sitting on the wall, who are destined with you to eat their own excrement and drink their own urine? Then the royal spokesman stood and called out loudly in Hebrew, Listen to the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you, for he cannot rescue you. Don't let Hezekiah persuade you to rely on the Lord, saying, The Lord will certainly rescue us. The city will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. Don't listen to Hezekiah, for this is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and surrender to me. Then every one of you may eat from his own vine and his own fig tree and drink water from his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Beware that Hezekiah does not mislead you, saying, The Lord will rescue us. Has any one of the gods of the nations rescued his land from the power of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? Have they rescued Samaria from my power? Who among all the gods of these lands ever rescued his land from my power? So will the Lord rescue Jerusalem from my power? But they kept silent. They didn't say anything, for the king's command was, don't answer him. Then Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, who was in charge of the palace, and Shebna, the court secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the court historian, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and reported to him the words of the royal spokesman. When King Hezekiah heard their report, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went to the Lord's temple. He sent Eliakim, who was in charge of the palace, Shebna, the court secretary, and the leading priests, who were covered with sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. And they said to him, this is what Hezekiah says, today is a day of distress, rebuke, and disgrace. It is as if children have come to the point of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. Perhaps the Lord your God will hear all the words of the royal spokesman whom his master, the king of Assyria sent to mock the living God and will rebuke him for the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore offer us prayer for the surviving remnant. So the servants of King Hezekiah went to Isaiah, who said to them, Tell your master, the Lord says this, Don't be afraid because of the words you have heard, with which the king of Assyria's attendants have blasphemed me. I am about to put a spirit in him, and he will hear a rumor and return to his own land, where I will cause him to fall by the sword. When the royal spokesman heard that the king of Assyria had pulled out of Lachish, he left and found him fighting against Libna. The king had heard concerning King Terhaka of Cush, he has set out to fight against you. So when he heard this, he sent messengers to Hezekiah saying, Say this to King Hezekiah of Judah, don't let your God on whom you rely deceive you by promising that Jerusalem won't be handed over to the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries. They completely destroyed them. Will you be rescued?" Did the gods of the nations that my predecessors destroyed rescue them, Gozan, Haran, Rezeph, and the Edonites in Telesar? Where's the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sephirvaim, Hina-Oriva? Hezekiah took the letter from the messenger's hands and read it and then went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord of armies, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You made the heavens and the earth. Listen closely, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Hear all the words that Sennacherib has sent to mock the living God. Lord, it is true that the kings of Assyria have devastated all these countries and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire, for they were not gods. But, made from wood and stone by human hands. So they've destroyed them. Now, Lord, our God, save us from his power so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, our God, you alone. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, because you prayed to me about King Sennacherib of Assyria, this is the word of the Lord that he has spoken against him. Virgin daughter Zion despises and scorns you. Daughter Jerusalem shakes her head behind your back. Who is it you have mocked and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? Against the Holy One of Israel. You have mocked the Lord through your servants. You have said, With my many chariots, I have gone up to the heights of the mountains, to the far recesses of Lebanon. I cut down its tallest cedars and its choicest cypress trees. I came to its distant heights, its densest forest. I dug wells and drank water in foreign lands. I dried up all the streams of Egypt with the soles of my feet. Have you not heard? I designed it long ago. I planned it in days gone by. I have now brought it to pass, and you have crushed fortified cities into piles of rubble. Their inhabitants have become powerless, dismayed, and ashamed. They are plants of the field, tender grass, grass on the rooftops, blasted by the east wind. But I, I know you're sitting down, you're going out and coming in, and you're raging against me. Because you're raging against me and your arrogance have reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth. I will make you go back the way you came. This will be the sign for you. This year you will eat what grows on its own, and in the second year what grows from that. But in the third year sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. The surviving remnant of the house of Judah will again take root downward and bear fruit upward for a remnant will go out from Jerusalem and survivors from Mount Zion. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Therefore, this is what the Lord says about the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city, shoot an arrow here, come up before it with a shield or build a siege ramp against it. He will go back the way he came and he will not enter this city. This is the Lord's declaration when he says, I will defend this city and rescue it for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and left. He returned home and lived in Nineveh. And one day while he was worshiping in the temple of his god Nisroch, his sons Adrammelech and Sherezer struck him down with the sword and escaped to the land of Ararat. Then his son Esarhaddon became king in his place. And my friends, that is Isaiah 36 and 37. And if there is one thing we should not forget, it is that God's glory is uppermost in his own affections. And that's not wrong, right? For you and me, that would be boasting or pride. That's, in the case of God, the creator of the cosmos, that's... That's a right view of reality. But if God's glory is uppermost in his own affections, his actions are first for his name, but then second for our salvation. We close today with a short psalm, Psalm 123. And I just, again, I think I just want to pray this. This Hezekiah stuff is just getting in my business last few days psalm 23 is a psalm of ascents which is probably one of those that was sung or prayed as people were traveling to jerusalem or traveling up the steps of the of the temple psalm 123 a song of ascents i lift my eyes to you the one enthroned in heaven like a servant's eyes on his master's hand like a servant's girl's eyes on her mistress's hand, so our eyes are on the Lord our God until he shows us favor. Show us favor, Lord. Show us favor. For we have had more than enough contempt. We have had more than enough scorn from the arrogant and contempt from the proud. And that is Psalm 123. My friends, if there is a problem, it's not just 29 years ago when that psalm was written. It is contempt that is enduring. The solution is looking in the right direction, right? Like a servant's eyes on his master's hand. Uh, think about a dog when you've got a treat in your hand, right? Your dog doesn't look you in the eyes, it looks at your hand going, I'm anticipating something. So our eyes are on the Lord, our God, until he shows us favor. My friends, the world rages against the God, their very own creator. Let us keep looking in the right direction. Amen. I love you. Amen.